0: All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 398, and today we are talking about books being released on January 24th, 2023, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Jen Northington, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Jen! Hi! It's been so long
1: since I was on all the books. It's nice to be back.
0: Yes! Yes, Uh, Patricia would normally do the fourth Tuesday, but... Uh, she was unable to join us, and, and you know we're sending her love and wishes. And I'm excited to talk to you, although yeah. you are sick. I'm yes. sick. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm taking a lot
1: of Dayquil, y'all. So just like bear with me here. It's yeah. We're I guess this is like what's happening to everyone. I've been informed that this is a really rough cold and flu and COVID season. So yeah. from my sneezy face to all of you, like I wish you all. Healing and soup and hot liquids <laughs> or whatever you need to get through this yeah. winter. It's rough out here.
0: Well, if you start like singing or, or <laughs> talking to other people, you know, yeah. like, we'll just we'll just blame it on the cold medication. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. What else? What like? It's been so long since we've done one of these I together. Know. It is currently snowing a ton here.
1: Is it? Yeah. I'm a little bit jealous. I'm not gonna lie. We've had rain.
0: Which is fine. Yeah, it rained all night. Now it's snowing, even though it said it wasn't going to. Like, And, and like they only added the snow yesterday morning. Like, they don't even know anymore. Like, <laughs> I went to bed really on Wednesday know? night, and it was, like, supposed to be kind of rain and muggy. And then I got up in the morning, I was like, winter storm Morning no. It's five to eight inches, and then by the end of the day, it was like it's gonna rain and now it's we have like three inches of snow oh my goodness that's
1: (laughs) that's wild yeah we uh actually you'll appreciate this so I have a garden and Mm -hmm. some like big garden beds in our backyard which is you know one of the reasons we moved into this house and Roger my partner he built me like a little mini sit on top of the bed greenhouse because I'm gonna Mm -hmm. see if I can keep my herbs through the winter it's like it's very exciting (laughs) it's so cute it's very exciting it's very DIY we're not sure if we did it right but it's like the first step in in our latest gardening project so that was fun yeah
0: greenhouses always make me think of Picnic at Hanging Rock which was a movie that my parents should not have let me watch yeah (laughs) I still haven't watched it for very good reasons and now there's there's been a re I think the remake has been out for many 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 years but like yeah and okay. then I read the book when I was in high school. Of course you did. Yeah, but I would say that's probably one of the only movies I watched that I didn't read the book first. Mm. <laughs> probably because I was like 4 or 5 when I watched it. Oh god. You know, that scared me so bad. I was, I was like yeah. I don't want to go to Australia. That was just based solely <laughs> on that. Which now now I'm like I would love to go to Australia as long as nothing scary touches me. Right. I know there are lots of things that move around there. Yes. Um but yeah. I was like, oh no, don't go to Australia. You'll disappear into the rocks and (laughs) no one will be able to find you. (laughs) Oh man.
1: Yeah. It's a weird to th- it's weird to think about things I watched as a child or read as a child that I definitely should not have. But like here we are. We're fine. We're yeah. all right.
0: It's fine. <laughs> you know, I've been I've been reading, you know, about the book bands and the continued yes. book bands in particular. And you know, I was thinking about like our high school library. Yeah. That's where I read all of Daniel Steele, all of Sidney Sheldon, yeah. all of Stephen King, yeah. all of Dean Koontz. I think that our librarian, like, wanted them for herself. Right. You know? Like, I was reading Lace by Shirley... Oh, what is her name? I can't remember. Shirley Conran? Conan? I can't remember. It's filthy, and they made it into a TV movie. That's all you need to know. But, like, (laughs) I just think that she wanted to read these books, and so she got them in. And, like, I would just fly through them, you know? And no one ever said, like, oh, the kids shouldn't be reading that, you know? Like, they let us make up our own minds.
1: Well, yeah. And I feel like the thing that happened when I read stuff that was way too old for me is that it a lot of it went over my head or yeah. I like got a little confused. But like, I think that's OK. Like, I don't actually think it's the end of the world for a yeah. kid to be like, what on earth is this about? Yeah. So, but, you know,
0: I, I mean, I've said it before when I was 11 years old, I read The Witches of Eastwick by John <laughs> And as an adult, I read The Witches of Eastwick by John Updick, and I was like, I did not understand what any of this meant. Right. This is all sex. It's all sexual, and I did not pick up on (laughs) most of that. Yep. Yep. (laughs) So it's like, you're fine. Yeah. So we are going to talk about books that are coming out today. I'm so confused, I was telling you earlier, because I've already recorded the January 31st show with Kelly. Right. I'm like, this doesn't look right. What are these dates? What's happening? What is time? Yeah. But before we get into that,
2: we are going to hear from our first sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Harper Muse, publisher of Troubled Waters. Troubled Waters is an intimate portrait of two generations, a granddaughter and a grandmother, coming to terms with what it means to be family, Black women, and alive in a world on fire. In heartfelt lyrical prose, Mary Annese Hegler weaves an unforgettable story of the climate crisis, Black resistance, and the enduring power of family. Narrated by Janice Abbott-Pratt and written by climate justice writer Mary Annese Hegler, the Troubled Waters audiobook is available everywhere May 7th. It follows Corinne as she plans to stage a dramatic act of resistance and peels back the scabs of her family wounds and puts her safety in jeopardy both grandmother and granddaughter must bring their unspoken secrets into light to find a path to healing known for her essays that dissect and interrogate the climate crisis drawing heavily on her personal experience as a black woman with deep roots in the south mary anase hegler brings us her first work of fiction titled troubled waters make sure to pick it up thanks again to harper muse publisher of troubled waters for sponsoring this episode <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Penguin Young Readers. So this book I'm about to tell you about is giving five worlds meets spirited away realness. It's about a girl fighting her way back home after getting trapped in the spirit world. It follows Anzu who's moved to a new town during Oban, a time for families to remember and celebrate their ancestors. And ever since her, Albachan died Oban has lost its magic. She doesn't feel much like celebrating anymore. So while avoiding holiday festivities, Anzu spots a stray dog down the street, a dog that seems to be staring right at her. So when she chases it, she slips and falls down a bridge, losing consciousness. And when she awakes, she's in the Shinto underworld known as Yomi. The stray dog, she finds out, is actually the gatekeeper of Yomi and he warns her to return to the human realm before it's too late. Like I said, Miyazaki realness, Um, I'm super excited for this so make sure to pick up Anzu in the Realm of Darkness by Mai K Nguyen and thanks again to Penguin Young Readers for sponsoring this episode
0: so Jen, before I tell you about my first book, would you like to tell us something?
1: I would like to tell y'all that if you are looking for a good Valentine's slash Galentine's slash whatever gift for your bookish friend, boo, partner, whatever, uh, we can help with that over at TBR. Uh, It is of like personalized book recommendation service, which is a very nice thing to gift. And we have digital plans that are worldwide, or you can get hardcovers in the mail. Who doesn't like books in the mail if you're in the US? And it's pretty cool. I do some of them liberty works on it too so you know a vote of confidence for tbr yes so if you need a gift for this february i love you slash i appreciate you time of year that we're going into uh visit my tbr.co slash gift
0: books in the mail reminded me that uh the other day pete was like there's a a package on the porch for you it's like the size of a, a prius and i was like <laughs> what i didn't order anything which is rare for me but i'm trying not to buy things right. you know as much so i was like i don't know what it is I was like seriously this huge box like that could have fit a microwave at least it was one book what <laughs> when they sent me <laughs> one book in a in a box epic i was like is this a prank am i being <laughs> joked like am i on camera no. <laughs> all right so Speaking of books, I always say that. Like, that's all we're always speaking of. Books, cats, weather. We covered it. Well, we didn't talk about cats, but that's all right. Right. We're going to move on to books now. I'm going to start with The Chinese Groove by Catherine Ma. This is a novel about 18-year-old Shelley. He grew up in China as the son of a much-hated member of his family. Uh, The offense, it was just being related to his father's father's father, who had been the result of an unwed coupling and that brought shame to the family, and so everyone who is a direct descendant of that man has been, like, the, the hated part of the family. It's just, like, something that they have to endure, something that they are like, yep, yeah, this is just how it is. And so the family members are mean to them. Uh, They the hit Shelly as a child. Like, um, they're very mean. They're physically abusive. Um, And he lost his mother when he was very young. She was ill, and she passed away. And he's just been, like, living with his dad and enduring this family because kind of like this code where it's like, you know, it's blood, so we have to hang out with them even though they're horrible to us. And his mother's one wish before she died was that he learned English and that his father sends him to the U.S. to live. And so he meets an English teacher who gives him the nickname Shelley. Like, that's how we know him as Shelley, because he wants to be a poet. So she's like, oh, you're a poet like Shelley. So they call him Shelley. Uh, and now he is 18 And his father tells him about his uncle in America and wants to help him get away from China and his his horrible family. And Shelley has these grand ideas of America, mostly put in his head by his cousin, who says he's an expert on on the place, but he's not. he doesn't really know what he's talking about. But basically, Shelley thinks that everyone is wealthy in America, and everyone has tons of living space, and that published poets have mansions and, oh. and expensive cars and make the big bucks. And he can't wait to go because he's going to be a poet. He's going to make all this money. He's going to send it back to his family. Um, So his father arranges for him to stay with his Uncle Ted. His Uncle Ted says he can only stay for two weeks because they don't have a spare room and they, they can't let him stay any longer than that. They live in San Francisco. But this is something that Shelley thinks is part of the Chinese groove, which is when someone says something which is really like the opposite of what they mean. Like, um he thinks that because he says they don't have space and he can only stay for two weeks, that he actually means like, oh, you know, we have a house and you know, you can stay as long as you want, but he's supposed to be like really modest. You know, um when he goes to pick him up at the airport, his uncle says calls his car the crap mobile, but you know, Shelley's like, Oh, it's a beautiful automobile that that works and you know, all this stuff. Um they call it the Chinese group. So, like I said, Shelly embarks for California, his uncle Ted picks him up. Um he is married to a Jewish white woman. Um, they have lost their son in a tragedy, uh, so his father tells him not to not to bring up their son. Um, and he thinks, like, his aunt loves him, and everything's going to be great, and he thinks that they're going to, like, let him stay forever. You know, he's going to make a really good impression, just in case, but, you know, this is going to be great. But he ends up sleeping on a uncomfortable sofa, and there really is no space for him, and they really do want him to leave after two weeks. But Shelley is such a great character. He has... Boundless enthusiasm and optimism. It's infectious. And he's just like, that's okay. I'm going to convince them that, you know, they need me in their lives. uh, And I'm going to do everything I can to do that. So he becomes a caretaker for Ted's father, Henry. Um, And and he decides, like, this is going to help me, you know, win them over. And they're going to want to have me live here forever. It's a dramedy, I would say, Mm. about Shelley's expectations and how he manages them when they are not what he expected, you know, but he has, like, this big heart, and and it doesn't even really seem to phase him when he's faced with the reality of things. Like, we know, as readers, that Shelley's expectations are not going to be met at all. We know that when people say and do things, these are microaggressions and racism, you know, and he has a really hard time picking up on social cues. But because this is told from his point of view, you also can't help but be swept up In his jovial personality and his love for the world and his enthusiasm. I thought it was going to be sadder than it was because it's, like, at the beginning, the very first thing he talks about is about his family hitting him. And so I was like, oh, but it's actually warm hearted and so full of love. And you're just going to want to wrap Shelly up in bubble wrap, you know, and also you might feel a little bit more hopeful about the world. I do want to give content warnings for mentions of racism, illness and loss of a loved one, child death, grief, chemical abuse and animal death. This is The Chinese Groove by Katherine Ma.
1: That sounds great. I will definitely have to bump that up on my TBR. I love a I love a sunshine character. Yes.
0: Yeah, sometimes I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not in mood. Well, I, yeah, that's
1: true. But also, though, there's something, I think there's a beautiful alchemy that some authors can find like what you're talking about when you have a sign shiny character who's facing like very difficult real world problems but they're Mm -hmm. not it's not like we're minimizing the problems it's just we're seeing them through a different lens yeah and i think that's really special and and awesome when when an author manages that awesome yep all right, well, so my first book is Spice Road, which is the first in a new YA trilogy that is called the Spice Road Trilogy, <laughs> perhaps, uh, obviously. The author is Maya Ibrahim, and this is epic fantasy. They're comparing it to Sabah Tahir, Hafsa Faisal, Elizabeth Lim. I think all of those are pretty fair. I think it's also, it sits next to um, S.A. Chakraborty's uh you know, what, City of Brass? The Davenport Trilogy. Yeah, yeah, thank you. The Davenport Trilogy. So it's really enjoyable, y'all. I had a lot of fun reading it. I love... This kind of world building, I love these kinds of stories where you're taking, you know, in this case, we've got Arabian um, mythology, Middle Eastern mythology. We've got djinns and, you know, desert cities and all of this stuff. And uh, some also references to the historical Silk Road, but it's the Spice Road here. But there's also magic. Like, this is all all catnip for me as far as I'm concerned. And uh, the main character, Imani, is part of a very privileged family. They're well-known, they're politically astute, they have a lot of money, and she is a warrior in this uh, guard force that they have. And the guards drink this special tea, and it gives them special powers that are... Specific to them. So her she has an affinity for iron. And when she drinks the tea, it means that she can take the stagger that she has and turn it into like any weapon that she wants. Um, so it can become a spear or a sword or, you know, anything. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Obviously, that's pretty super cool. She has some complicated stuff going on in her life. Her brother disappeared in strange circumstances. They're all pretty sure that he is dead um, and that he was stealing the special component that makes the tea. It's called Misra. And so there's like some real grief and confusion and frustration around that situation. Um, And she finds out that he might actually be alive, but he's gone into the outside world. And this is one of those stories where there's this trope, right, of this like community that's cut off from the rest of the world. It's a little bit of that dystopian vibe, like we think everything's fine here and great and actually wonderful. um, And we would never go into the outside world because it's all bad and terrible out there. And then, you know, the main character starts to discover that everything that they've been told is not true. That is somewhat of what's going on here. But I think Ibrahim takes it in an interesting, like she puts her own twist on it, which I really appreciate. So Imani finds out that her brother might be alive. He's in the outside world where they're not supposed to go. And she ends up getting sent on a mission to bring him back. And Imani is very sheltered and, uh, like, kind of spoiled, quite frankly. She's also very talented and very caring and, like, has a lot of love for her siblings. This is definitely a sibling story, which I'm always here for. But you're in her head. So you're watching her go from being utterly convinced that everything she's been taught and that she believes is right to, like, starting to wake up to, you know, the injustices that are present in her community. The things that she's been told about the outside world are not all true. And she has to figure out, like, what does that mean for her? And also reckon with the way that she's treated certain other people who she's interacted with based on what she used to believe and is now discovering is not correct. And I think some readers are less interested in going on that kind of character journey, maybe. I know, like... I don't know, not everybody's on board for that journey, but I thought it was really well handled and I enjoyed seeing her grow and develop as a character. I also really loved all the supporting characters, her sister. Amani is like very headstrong and very uh like <laughs> you know interfering little sister vibes which I do love. And then her brother Athir, is like a be- really strong presence in the story as well. There's some complicated love shenanigans as you might expect with YA, But I just found it very engrossing. I was totally in the vibe of the story from start to finish. And I will say, well I will say it took a little while for me to get going. That's not I don't know that that's a book thing, though. That's been a me thing for the past couple of years. I have some trouble getting into books these days because my brain is just all over the place. But once I got into it, I was into it. And when the book ends on a little bit of a cliffhanger, because it is the first in a trilogy, I was like, no, I need more. (laughs) Like, you can't stop there. I need to know what's going to happen next. So I was very, like, gripped by this. And I think it's a great addition to these, uh, yeah, like, fun, interesting world-building stories that we're getting. So, again, that's Spice Road by Maya Ibrahim.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Sounds great. It's a good time. So... My next pick, I haven't actually read. I was telling Jen before we started that the first three books that I chose to read for today's show uh, uh, did not work for me. I did not enjoy them. <laughs> um, I felt like the guy in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, like, by the time I finished the third one, it was like, did not enjoy that either. It was like, you chose poorly. <laughs> That's how I feel. I was like, like I was his voice being like, oh. But, like, these did not work for me, so I don't want to talk about them. So... I want to talk about a book that I am excited to get my hands on. And that is The Minus One Club by Kekla Magoon. Uh, this is going to have a discussion of loss of a loved one. Just going into it, letting you know. Um, it's a contemporary YA novel. It's about a 15-year-old named Kermit. I feel like the name Kermit is making a comeback. You know, because it was actually like a very popular name before The Frog. And then people stopped naming their kids Kermit because of the frog. But now, like, there was Kermit in that Adam Sandler basketball movie. Like, Kermit's making a comeback. <laughs> um, so this is about Kermit. And uh, we know at the beginning that he lost his older sister in a car accident. And he and his family are grieving. And one day he's at school. He goes to, to high school. Um, He finds an imitation in his locker that just has, like, a minus one sign on it. And he finds out that it's an invitation to join the Minus One Club. It's a group of students who have gathered, uh, who have all lost someone important to them. And they sort of bond over their losses. And Kermit's really interested in this. And also his crush, Matt, is a member of this group. So he decides to join. And so it's about them, you know, coming to terms with what has happened and talking it out. But grief and trauma make people react in different ways. And Kermit becomes worried that Matt's grief is making him reckless and something bad is going to happen to him. So he needs to figure out a way to help Matt and also, like, keep the group together. Uh, It sounds heartbreaking and amazing. I love Kecklemagoon's novels. Uh, She is the Coretta Scott King and Prince honor-winning author of How It Went Down, Light It Up, and Revolution in Our Time. She's also the author of one of my favorite recent middle grade novels, The Season of Sticks Malone. Yes! Which I think I talked about on the show, which is about the two brothers and they're in trouble on their summer vacation because they traded their baby sister for a bag of fireworks. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) good! And they meet like this cool older kid. Um, I loved that book too. So I'm very excited to read this one. It's called The Minus One Club by Keckla Magoon.
1: Yeah, Season of Six Malone is definitely an all time favorite. Keckla Magoon is so good. Yes. So good. So, so good.
0: And because her books are all so good, I feel like that one doesn't get mentioned as often. Yeah. But
1: that one, I love I know. Well, middle grade, you know, especially I think in a lot of. Like general book coverage places. It just doesn't get talked about as much as YA. But that's all right. We're here to tell you. Season of Sticks Malone is fantastic. Yay. Uh, So my next book is a romance. I will tell y'all that I only recently started reading Kate Claiborne and I am being converted. (laughs) I am uh, like a huge fan now. So the latest from Claiborne is Georgie All Along. And this is about uh, our main character. His name is Georgie. And she has been a personal assistant to this like high-flown Hollywood actress for a while. And her boss is basically like, I'm gonna stop doing this. Like, I'm done with Hollywood. I'm gonna go like have a farm and like talk about goats or something. So, like, you need to find a new job. And Georgie. At the same time, her her best, all time best friend is pregnant and her friend has moved back to their like small hometown um, to start a family. And so her friend is like, come, come back home, be with me like as I'm like about to give birth, like hang out with me, help me out um, since you don't have anything else going on. And so Georgie goes. And part of what Georgie is struggling with is that she doesn't feel like she has goals in life the way that other people has goals she's always sort of like just kind of stumbled into things and you know she did okay in high school but not great she didn't go to college she just like had a lot of odd jobs and she's super good at what she does but she doesn't have a five-year plan she doesn't have like a one-month plan and she feels like something's wrong with her so she's like i'm gonna use this time to like figure me out hopefully And of course, this is a romance, so we have our uh, hero, Levi Fanning, who is the older brother of the guy that she had a huge crush on in high school. And she runs into him and they have this whole like very weird interaction of her milkshakes. It's really, I just love this book. And he is like a very quiet sort of broody hero. So we have a little bit of like a sunshine grumpy dynamic going on. And he is quiet and broody because um, he has had a rough childhood. His father is a terrible person, very emotionally abusive. And he, he rebelled by doing not great things like he stole he was like a troublemaker and everybody in the small town remembers him that way but he's been trying to put his life back together he like runs a small business he's very good at building he's like a dock builder um because this town is on the water and he is like trying to you know make good and so the two of them start interacting and are trying to figure out like what's next for them as people what's next for them as a couple there's also this really lovely. Uh, mechanism where Georgie and her best friend Belle wrote a friend fic, there's this notebook where they wrote stories about what they were going to do in high school. And like, you know, when they were still in middle school, they're like, this is what high school is gonna be like, we're gonna go on dates, and we're gonna go to prom, and you're gonna be the prom queen, I'm gonna do this and that. And it's like, so lovely and sweet. Um, And that plays a big role in this story as well. And I just tour through this romance, y'all. It was so nice to see working-class characters who, like, don't have college degrees and don't want them or care about them. They're successful in their own right. And I also really love how everyone interacts with each other. Like, I even love how they fight. I think that Claiborne does an amazing job with the relationship dynamics between, you know, Georgie and Belle as friends who, like, have some reckoning to do with each other. Georgie's relationships with her parents is great. The way that Levi interacts with his family or doesn't. Um, And the way Levi and Georgie fight. I was, I never had that moment where, like, if you've ever read a romance, you probably experienced that moment where you're like, oh my God, just talk to each other. Like, just tell each other the thing so that you can work it out. I never had that moment in here because they do talk to each other. And that doesn't mean they don't fight. It just means that they fight in a different way that I really loved seeing. So huge fan of this book. If you want a good romance, if you want a good small town story, if you like the idea of working class characters, like I don't feel like we see that all the time. Um, And yeah, just two amazing people like figuring out their stuff together. Uh, That's Georgie All Along by Kate Claiborne.
0: So last night I recorded the One in Romance podcast with Trisha because Jess was out and she was like trying to convert me to Kate Claiborne, yes! she's like, and she talked about this book and she said so many of like the, the same points oh, that really? you said, but yeah, I, when I saw it on the list today, I was like, oh my goodness, it's, it's following a you around. It's a yeah, sign, Liberty. It's yeah, a sign. Yeah, it sounds really fun, though. It's great. So those are some of today's releases that we have read or not read, <coughs> me. and now we're going to talk about more of today's releases in hardcover and paperback that we are excited about but haven't necessarily read. I'm going to kick it off with Tell Me an Ending by Joe Harkin, which is coming out in paperback today. This was named a Best Science Fiction Book of 2022 by the New York Times. Jen, did you read this one? Mm-mm. Okay. So we're both going to learn some things today. Yeah. I know that it's, like, a book riot favorite, and when I'm doing TBRs, like, so many people have recommended it, uh, but I have not read it. But it got a ton of awards or or, num- or re- great reviews and all this stuff. So, it's being compared to, like, Black Mirror and Severance. It sounds a bit like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. It is a speculative novel about a tech company that deletes people's unwanted memories. Mm. Which sounds great to me. <laughs> um, I would sign right up. But, so that's not the, the main focus of this. Like, in this book, apparently, it's just accepted that people go and have these terrible memories removed from their minds. But people are alerted to the fact that they have had a horrible memory removed when they receive an announcement saying that the company can now put those memories back. They're like, wait, so something bad happened, and I don't know about it because I wanted to forget it, but now I kind of want to know what it is. So, like... If you had something so bad that you had it wiped from your brain, would you want to know? It sounds a bit like the measure, which came out last year, about how everyone got a piece of rope in a box, and if you open the box, the piece of rope would tell you how long you had to live. Oh, right. And so some people wanted to open the box, some people didn't, some people opened other people's boxes for them because they couldn't stand not knowing. Um, And so... This focuses on a few patients and the psychologist who is working with patients to help them get reacclimated after their memories are reinserted, who begins to question everything about the program, both the removal of memories and the replacement of them. So it sounds really fun. I have a copy around here somewhere, title of my memoir, so (laughs) I'm hopefully going to read it soon. It's called Tell Me an Ending by Joe Harkin.
1: Interesting. I will have to look out for that one. Yeah. Uh, So let's see. My next book is On Savage Shores, How Indigenous Americans Discovered Europe by Carolyn Dodds Pennock. I think I actually talked about another similar, well, not similar, another read that is uh bringing indigenous history, especially during pre and like during colonization to the forefront. Um, The Fifth Son by Camilla Townsend. I think I talked about that one on an All the Books episode, like who Who knows how long, many, like two years ago, one year ago. But this one is super interesting. I want to note that a bunch of these that I've been reading are by, as far as I can tell, white historians who, uh, I mean, Carolyn Dodds-Penick does a good job of acknowledging that in the intro and talking about, you know, the way she approaches source material, the way she tries to honor the history while not being a part of it. I hope that we will see more of these books come out by folks from inside these communities because, you know, it's still a longstanding part of publishing, especially academic publishing. Like who gets even the tiny book deals that you get in academic publishing, who gets the opportunity to write a whole book about their research is still extremely white. So it's good that this stuff is being, you know, documented and brought to the forefront. But I would like to see more in-community voices in the future. Also, maybe I'm just missing them. I don't know. These are the ones that I'm finding. But On Savage Shores, which I'm like mm, a third of the way through, uh, is about the indigenous folks who... During, like, you know, the late 1400s and then into the 16th, 17th centuries, went to Europe as a result of the arrival of Europeans in the Americas and what they discovered there and how they interacted. And it's not one story. And I think, like, if you had asked me, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I guess I kind of know that. But there's so much here that I did not know about. There's so many, you know, people who were considered royalty, for example. Uh, let's say there's like Inca descent. Then uh, they went to Spain and, you know, were recognized as royalty by the crown and had their own experiences. And then, of course, you know, they're the folks who were enslaved um, and brought against their will. There are some that were not sure if it was voluntary or not, if they went on their own uh, agency or if they were taken. But their experiences in Europe and what they thought about Europe. And obviously, you know, the source material is uh, tricky in some cases to resurrect. A lot of what uh, Pennock is doing is reading between the lines of the source materials we do have, which are often by, you know, the colonizers in question. But it's really interesting the work that's being done here and the materials that she does get to reference. And I, you know, I was a history major. This is my jam. So I'm, of course, going to pick these books up because I just think it's so interesting and also so important that we, you know, recognize how this what we learned in school uh, is really, In some cases, just flat out wrong. And in a lot of cases, only the tiniest part of the story. So I'm super into this. I think the book is really well done. I even appreciate there's some snarky footnotes happening. And I love a snarky footnote. I'm not going to lie. So I think this is accessible. I do think like even if you're not, you know, a history buff, I think Pennock is doing her best to write it in a way that shows the research that she has done, but also makes it accessible to a broader audience. It's certainly not like, this is not Eric Larson, you know, narrative, popular history, but I think it is accessible. And I would encourage you, if you have any interest in, you know, pre and during colonization Americas to pick this up or, you know, get it for a friend who um, is interested in this as well, because there's really interesting research being done. And there's a lot of sources that Pennock has worked with that I'm going to look into more. Um, So I'm excited about this one. And uh, it's like, it's very much in my nerdy wheelhouse. So again, that's On Savage Shores, How Indigenous Americans Discovered Europe by Carolyn Dodds Pennick.
0: All right. Now, before I tell you about my last pick for today, we are going to hear from another
2: sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Song of the Silks Realms by Judy I. Lin. Shuei is a talented young musician who is orphaned at a young age. Her sole family is a kindly uncle, but then her uncle is killed and she is, of course, devastated. With no family and no patron, Shuei is facing the possibility of a lifetime of servitude playing the chin. Then one night, she is unexpectedly called to perform for the enigmatic Duke Meng. He surprises Shuei further with an irresistible offer. Serve as a musician in residence at his manor for one year and he'll set her free of her indenture. But the Duke's motives become increased more sus when he and Shue barely survive an attack by a nightmarish monster. It's like, what what's going on here? So this book is a sweeping epic romanticy that follows a talented young musician who is swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young duke. And Who doesn't want to be swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young duke? She's living all our dreams, honestly. Make sure to check out the new book. And thanks again to Song of the Six Realms by Judy I. for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Avid Reader Press. It kind of gives Outlander meets Cloud Atlas or If the Time Traveler's Rife was written by Sally Rooney or Colson Whitehead. Make sure to check out The Ministry of Time by Ann Bradley. And thanks again to Avid Reader Press for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so my last pick is also a book that's coming
0: out in paperback today. It was one of my favorite books of 2022. It is Dead Silence by S.A. Barnes. It's a sci-fi horror mystery. <laughs> nice. It's so good. I love scary things happening on spaceships. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, that's that's my kind of story. I went to see Event Horizon in the theater by myself like five times. <laughs> like that, first of all, I went to see Event Horizon in the theater. That's how old I am. Um, you know. Um, and I just, I love scary stuff on spaceships. So... This is about Claire. Claire is in charge of a beacon repair crew. They are on a ship at the outer limits of explored space, about to return home. Now, they don't want to go home because they are about to get fired. They're going to be made redundant, given their walking papers, given their pink slips, shown the door, however you want to say it. Their jobs are not going to be any longer when they get there. Uh, so it's kind of a grim ride home. Like, they've done their job, but now they're going to go home and, and you know, be laid off. So... As they're leaving the outer explored space area, they come across the Aurora. The Aurora is a famous luxury space liner that vanished on its maiden tour 20 years ago. Think like the Titanic in space or like Avenue 5. So they figure they're going to lose their jobs anyway anyway. So why not take a bit more time and go poking around on the Aurora and see if they can find anything that they can sell and maybe find some answers to what happened and it's going to make them lots of money and it's going to be great because, you know, they're losing their jobs and they need the money. And I should say, most of the crew is on board for this idea. Not all of them. Some people are like, "Mm, I don't think we should do that. But since Clary is in charge and that is what she wants to do, that is what they do. And now you know, since I've told you that, that nothing good is going to happen. You know, don't go on the abandoned spaceship, no! So they get on the on the ship, and it's obvious that horrible things have gone down on the Aurora. There's blood on the walls, and it's just all kind of, you know, scary stuff. Uh, and the possibility that maybe someone or something is still there. At the beginning of the book, Claire is being interviewed. We know that she has been detained, she is injured, but we don't know what happened to her or her crew or who is responsible? Which it might even be her. The story of their exploration takes up one part of this book, but I can't tell you what I really love about this book <laughs> without spoiling it. But there's another part to that story that you don't usually see in these kind of like sci-fi, you know, thrillers, um, and I really loved that. And I also want to shout out *The Scourge Between Stars* by Ness Brown, which is coming out on April 4th. This is a novella coming out with Tor. And it's another Something Scary on a Spaceship book that I loved. Um, So I can't wait to tell you about that one. And so this is Dead Silence by S.A. Barnes, and it is out in paperback today. And content warnings for all the scary, gory things that you can think of.
1: (laughs) It's so funny, Liberty. Talk about, like, coincidences in recording. Sharifa and I were just talking about sci-fi fantasy mysteries and i was saying how i've i've read a bunch of like murder in space books which are totally my jam Mm -hmm. but i haven't read as many like fantasy murder thriller type books which i think is interesting so now i'm thinking about that but it's nice to know that these are two new murder in space books i have to add to my list
0: yes Yes.
1: Love a space murder. Uh, All right. So my last book that I want to tell you about, another one that I'm like a quarter of the way through, is A Thousand Miles to Graceland by Kristen May Chase. And I'm going to give content warnings off the top because there's some heavy stuff in this book um, that you might not want to hear about. So content warnings for cancer, uh, child abuse and domestic violence, description of panic attacks, and possibly others, actually, because I haven't finished it yet. So. The premise of this book is that Grace, who is a grown up, is getting separated. Her marriage is, has not been working for a while and now it's, you know, fully falling apart. But her mother has been wanting her for her 70th birthday to go on a road trip to Graceland from El Paso, Texas to Memphis. So that's like not a short trip. But her mother is a cancer survivor and is like acting kinds of strange. So there's some stuff going on there. And Grace and her mother have a really rocky relationship because Grace's father was an abusive husband and an abusive father. Um, and they've never really reckoned with it. And Grace is like, done some work around it, but not a ton. She's still sort of in denial or, like, doesn't want to think or talk about some of the stuff that happened to her, has sort of deliberately blocked it out as, you know, is completely understandable. And so this is one of those stories where everybody, like, has to talk about the things that they have spent decades not talking about. What's interesting about the parts of this that I've read already, and side note, I picked it up because I love a road trip story, and I am also here for complicated mother-daughter stories. I find them, you know, very cathartic in certain ways. I mean, my relationship with my mom is nothing like, you know, these characters' relationships, but still, you know, family's complicated, and I appreciate seeing that in books. And so I picked it up for that reason, but I think Chase is doing a good job of balancing some lightheartedness with the seriousness like we were talking about earlier like Grace's mom is obsessed with Priscilla Presley. She like wears wigs and sparkly rhinestone jumpers and like, again, is like turning 70. So this is like a pretty amazing character to be reading about. And there are these moments of levity, like Grace's relationship with her best friend is part of this, which I really appreciated. And so I think as far as I've read, again, Chase is doing a good job of balancing all of those elements. There's also a possible love interest from Grace's past. Um, So there's, it's a interesting read so far. I know I'm going to finish it. I just had to take a break because when I'm sick, I can't read stuff that's too heavy because I just can't. Like it's fluff only. Um, And I got sick just as I was starting to pick this one up. So it's one that I'm going to come back to when I'm feeling better. But I'm really excited to see where this complicated mother-daughter story goes. And again, I love a road trip story. So I'm excited to see that as well. Um, So again, that's A Thousand Miles to Graceland by Kristen May chase
0: all right so now it is time for the paperback round in which I talk like the micro machines guy (laughs) and tell you about a few books these are all there were so many great books from hardcover that are out in paperback today so these are all hardcover to paperback titles Starting with Violetta by Isabel Allende, translated by Francis Riddle. Can I just say, we were watching uh, Jeopardy! the other night, and I was yelling, Isabel Allende! at the <laughs> screen, like, repeatedly, like, they could hear me. Nobody got the answer. Anyway, um, this one is a n- historical novel starting in 1920 that covers the century-long life of a woman named Violetta. Goliath by Tochi Anyabuchi. This is his adult novel debut, Um, in which rich people have moved off the Earth because it stinks here, uh, and the remaining people have to make do with what they have, but then people from the colonies come back and start cannibalizing the remains of the planet for their own use. Lorraine Hansberry, The Life Behind A Raisin in the Sun by Charles J. Shields. This is a biography of Hansberry, who was a writer. She wrote A Raisin in the Sun, which is the most widely anthologized read and performed play on the American stage, and who died tragically uh, very young. The Great Mrs. Elias by Barbara Chase Reboux. Uh, Chase Reboux is a award-winning sculptor and writer, which I found out when I was researching this book, which sounds amazing. And this is a fiction based on the true story of Hannah Elias, one of the richest black women in America in the early 1900s, which reminds me of The Davenports, which Kelly will be talking about next week. Only a Monster by Vanessa Len, a dark YA fantasy romance debut. That was a lot of adjectives. And (laughs) it's about a young woman who learns her family, they're monsters, like literal monsters with powers. So of course, she falls for a handsome boy who turns out to be from a family of monster hunters. (laughs) Sounds fun. I think the sequel is out in August. And then one of my very favorites, I talked about this on our favorite fiction show last year. Notes on an Execution by Daniel Kafka. It's the story of a murderer on death row, but it is told through the women in his lives who come into his lives for various reasons, related, victims, police officer. It's just, oh, it's fantastic. And I feel like because it came out like the first or second week of January last year, like it did not get the attention that it deserved. It's also a very hard book to read, but oh my goodness, I love it. Admissions, A Memoir of Surviving Boarding School by Kendra James. James worked as an admissions officer specializing in diversity recruitment for independent prep schools, in which she persuaded students to attend largely white schools similar to the Taft School, which is where she had been the first African-American legacy student. Burning Roses by S.L. Huang. This is a story about a Red Riding Hood type character and an archer type character who must join forces to stop deadly sunbirds. I loved that. It was so good. I have to read it still, but it sounds really fun. And The Swimmers by Julie Atsuka. I talked about this on the show. It's so good. It's a slim, beautiful novel about a community pool that ends up closing because a crack starts forming in the bottom. And one of the swimmers at the pool is Alice. She is an elderly woman who is losing her memory. And we also hear from her daughter uh, and their relationship. And Alice past. passed and it'll make you cry. It's so good. And that is what we have for paperbacks today. Now, Jen, what are you going to read next?
1: So technically, I've already started this, but I just got Genesis of Misery by Nian Yang from the library, which I'm so excited about. It was one of the books that I meant to read last year and just never got around to for no good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, Yang is as like a must read author for me. And this is sort of like a mech slash religion in space slash you know, morally gray main character. Like, it's got so much going for it, and I'm already really enjoying the way it's told. Actually, I think everybody's been looking for comps for Gideon the Ninth for a while, Mm -hmm. because there's just not that much. I think this is a good comp (gasps) for Gideon the Ninth, because it's got this, like, banana pants... You know, is it sci-fi? Is it fantasy? There's some horror elements. And it's got these, like, pop culture-y sort of references woven in in this really interesting way. And, of course, it's like a cult religion in space. I mean, I think it's a great comp for Gideon the Ninth. So that's my pitch for Genesis Mm -hmm. of Misery, which I've only just started again.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Uh, So I'm headed off into my time off after we we finish this. Um, So I want to read all the books, like every single one. And I had a a list all set up, and then I got a bunch of things today. So now, at the top of my list is Vampires of El Norte by Isabel Cañas, who wrote The Hacienda. I saw her talk about this uh, many months ago. It's set in Mexico in the 1840s, where the daughter of a rancher is attacked by something. Um, And it just sounded, like, really great. It has a really great cover. Also this morning, I got a copy of... The Bachness Monster, <laughs> which is number one in the new Cryptid Kids series by Natalie Rice and Sarah Goder. It has a, a giant like chicken thing with scales in the ocean <laughs> on the cover, which That's just fun. sounds awesome. And also, uh, I was talking to my niece last week. Uh, she's 10 now, and surprising no one, she reads all the time, constantly. Which proves that genetics work, and just, <laughs> like weirds me out all the time um but i i was over there and she told me that she had just read all of the books in the keeper of the Lost cities series by shannon messenger like there are like nine of them and she was and i had heard i know this series it's like a very popular series even though i don't know a lot of people with children who talk about it and each one is like bigger than the last like they're enormous and she's like oh they're so good have you read them and i was like no and she's like i read like one a day and i was like (laughs) okay listen kid I hate competition, so (laughs) I got all nine of them, and and I'm going to read them on my vacation. Amazing. (laughs) Just so I can be like, I read them too.
1: (laughs) Gauntlet Throne.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm 46 years old, (laughs) competing with a 10-year-old. Never change, Liberty. (laughs) But listen, she got it from me, okay? That's right. right. (laughs) Don't forget. Uh, So that that is it for today. Don't forget to surprise your bookish boo with tailored book recommendations this Valentine's Day by visiting mytbr.co slash gift. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. Thank you to Jen for joining me today.
1: Yay! So fun. Love
0: it. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com if you want to shame me for competing with my niece. Uh, you can find us online. Uh, I hang out. Uh, Jen, you're, do you hang out online anymore? Are you taking a break? I'm
1: only on Tumblr right now. So you can find oh. me on Tumblr as Jen IRL, and that's Jen with
0: two N's, IRL. Okay. I mentioned that I went to see Event Horizon, but you're talking about Tumblr, so I feel I feel <laughs> oh, better <yeah>. now too. <laughs> I own it though. It's fine. Tumblr
1: is the actual best social media as far as I'm concerned at this point in my life.
0: Awesome. You can find me on Instagram at Franz and Comes Alive. Uh, If you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you get your podcasts at the grocery store. I don't know. Uh, You can leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And we will thank you so, so much right now. Thank you so much. Uh, and as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading! reading.